Al Jazeera podcast. Death to Arabs. Go back to Gaza. These are the chants that Arab students heard while trapped in their dormitories at Netanya Academic College in Israel. There were 50 of them, with a mob of hundreds of Israelis trying to break in. These students are Palestinian citizens of Israel, who make up roughly 20% of the population. Things for this population have never been good. They face political repression, racism, and violence. In the past month, all of that has only gotten worse. Israeli authorities have launched arrests on Palestinian Israeli citizens who dare to oppose the government's actions, whether in Gaza, the West Bank, or inside Israel. This is Israeli police chief Yaakov Shubtai. We are at war. For us, the instructions are clear. Zero tolerance with any incitement from any nurse, doctor, or any singer. There are no permits for protests, and the general sitting next to me proved he's implementing that with an iron fist. On Thursday, some of the most prominent leaders of Palestinian society in Israel were arrested. So as tensions rise, what lies ahead for the Palestinian citizens of Israel? I'm Malika Bilal, and this is The Take. My name is Amjad Iraqi. I am a senior editor at 972 Magazine and a policy analyst at the think tank Shabaka. I am a Palestinian citizen of Israel, and I am part of a community of about 2 million people of Palestinians inside the Israeli border. When we talked to Amjad on Thursday, He'd just gotten word that police had arrested leaders from the Palestinian community in Israel, including former members of the Israeli parliament, the Knesset. Including the head of uh, the High Follow-Up Committee, which is this umbrella organization that represents different sectors of Palestinian society inside Israel. They were planning a small protest opposing the war in Gaza. This is Aida Tuma Sleiman, a member of the Knesset. We will never accept the fact that they are trying to put us under a military rule without declaring that we have the right to protest, we have the right to say clearly we are against the war on Gaza. These are prominent figures, politicians, public intellectuals, lawyers. So this is really how far this this campaign is going. And Amjad has been watching that campaign against his own community play out. That community is made up of the Palestinians who remained after the 1948 mass exodus known as the Nakba, in which hundreds of thousands of Palestinians fled or were expelled. About 150,000 Palestinians remained in the new state of Israel, as Amjad explained. For various reasons, the state decided to grant those Palestinians Israeli citizenship. And we've also had the right to vote since that time in 1949-1950. And though in theory, this should entail that we have equal rights to Jewish Israeli citizens, this has never been the case. Arab Israelis are citizens of Israel and as such have the right to vote and stand for office. However, everyday life can prove a struggle. 
with claims of unfair access to housing, healthcare, and education. Then came October 7th. Hamas has launched a surprise attack within Israel's borders overnight. Amjad, like many in his community, was astonished at the scenes of bulldozers tearing down parts of the fence and even the capture of an Israeli tank. He says Palestinians in Israel felt it was inevitable that Palestinians in Gaza would eventually break free from their open-air prison. But then, very quickly, we discovered that second phase of Hamas's attack. Hearing the news of the killings that were occurring in those places, it induced a huge amount of fear. And not just about what was going on south, but also what this was going to entail for Israel's response. Everyone knew that they were going to try taking revenge, and that that revenge would not just be limited to Gaza, and that has certainly been the case. Since the Israel-Gaza war started, human rights groups say hundreds of Arabs have been fired, suspended from universities, or even arrested, accused of supporting terror or sympathizing with Hamas, mostly on social media. And since then, it is that paralyzing fear that has really captured many of the people in the community. Since then, Amjad has seen how those fears have played out in a new way. In all the escalations of violence in Gaza, Palestinians in Israel have seen tensions heighten. But he says this time, it's worse than ever. The amount of racism that Palestinian citizens across the board are experiencing, the fear that they're having even just being able to speak Arabic, and Jewish Israelis looking at them or harassing them, uh, some are even being beaten. It's quite terrifying. It's really stifling. And that fear is very, is very present. Palestinian citizens are also hearing all this in the Israeli media with really racist and, frankly, genocidal rhetoric, not just against Palestinians in Gaza, but also describing the Arabs inside Israel as terrorist sympathizers and as people that need to be punished and also engaged in some form or another. When examining the journalism on Israeli news outlets, it is difficult to distinguish the extent to which they are reflecting public opinion or stoking it. Safe to say they have cemented the idea of the need for retribution or something far worse. Here's a commentator, Eliyahu Yossian, on one of Israel's biggest TV channels, talking about Gaza. There are no innocents. There is no population. Just 2.5 million terrorists. And you can work your way upwards with the Israeli police, who have effectively banned any demonstrations or protests, uh, with the police chief even uh, basically saying that if anyone wants to protest against the war, they're welcome to, and then they'll happily put them on the bus to Gaza. Here's Yaakov Shubtai, who you heard from earlier. We're in a situation that doesn't allow anybody to mess with us. We will deal with all incidents with no tolerance and with all seriousness. I gave instructions so that whoever gets arrested faces all of the concerned authorities as a criminal. Anybody who wants to be a citizen of Israel, they're welcome. And whoever wants to support Gaza, I invite them to ride the buses headed there. Any expression of Palestinianness is even more so going to be taken as a security threat, as something that is unacceptable in the public and political sphere. And in fact, that totalitarianism is really being felt from top to bottom. That includes a slew of recent laws, some of which predate October 7th, like one that was introduced back in February. It allows the state to strip Palestinians of Israeli citizenship, 
if they're convicted of terrorism and receive money from the Palestinian Authority. On Wednesday, the Knesset passed an amendment to Israel's counterterrorism law that makes the consumption of terrorist materials a new criminal offense. The sets had a long-standing fear that's always been around that the Israeli state and Jewish Israeli society is always eager to try to essentially rid itself of, of the Palestinian community. Now, a new piece of legislation could deem raising a Palestinian flag an act of terrorism. There is this public sort of, this complete public hostility to Palestinian citizens and this just desire to see them, if not extremely limited in their rights, then gone as much as possible or to allow the state even down the line to enable this. And this is a very terrifying prospect. You know, the idea that it's not just people who might be involved in militant activities, as you know, some might claim, but the very fact that anyone who so much as speaks as a Palestinian, anyone who so much as goes to a protest, if they become deemed legal threats under the state, they may find themselves stateless and essentially deported to the occupied territories. And this fear is only growing by the day. Also growing is the silencing by Israeli authorities. That's after the break. On the Inside Story podcast, we'll ask why, in the midst of death and destruction in Gaza, some world leaders appear more concerned with who will govern Gaza once the war is over. Listen and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. In the background of this current repression in Israel are very recent memories. During Israel's war on Gaza in May 2021, similar incidents boiled over onto the streets of Israel into a complete collapse of relations. The escalating tensions are also spilling over into street violence in several Israeli cities, home to both Arabs and Jews. There was also massive asymmetry whereby the Jewish mobs tended to be accompanied by the Israeli police. And this was in addition to a massive police campaign of arrests and harassment also during those weeks and even in, in the months after the war on Gaza had finished. And in, even in places like Haifa, where I lived, you know, which is kind of held up as a city of quote-unquote coexistence, you also had Jewish mobs with cops going to Arab neighborhoods and Arab homes, attacking people, vandalizing property, threatening residents. Jewish Israelis, some armed with baseball bats, headed in the direction of a mosque. Local Jews marked Arab houses in a red spray. So the ones who come from outside will recognize our houses and attack us. And so the, the memory and the fear of that time has been really present for Palestinian citizens. So far, we have not yet seen the same kind of like street violence to that extent, but the state itself has been doing much of the work. And there have been some incidents here and there. Like the incident at the college with the students trapped in their dormitories by a mob. Amjad says the police who were present, took a long time to intervene. The scenes and the images of that, and just the idea of such a mob being able to surround Arab students, going after them, uh, chanting extremely racist slogans, just really 
triggered this uh, this fear and these memories of May 2021, of this kind of decentralized violence that could take over at any time, and just really reinforcing this uh, this feeling that nowhere is safe for Palestinian citizens. Not in the streets, not on campus, not in their shopping stores, not in the halls of the Knesset, not even on their computers, even just to post or share or even look at things online. So this is, uh, let's say, a very harrowing uh, imagery of what may still come. Uh, God forbid that it does, but it's just another live demonstration of a very real fear that Palestinian citizens are having. That fear has only been heightened by recent examples. In one, a Palestinian-Israeli woman was filmed as she was arrested. Her crime? Changing her WhatsApp status to read, May God grant them victory and protect them. Israeli authorities allege she was referring to Hamas. In the video, the Israeli police officer tells the woman she's being charged with spreading sympathy and partaking in terrorism. She denies it, screaming. Moments later, her husband is arrested, too. So what are Palestinian citizens of Israel doing about all of this? Both out of fear and strategic calculation, most people are trying to avoid ruffling too many feathers at the moment. I'm talking even about the fact that people who are posting on social media are also being arrested and harassed uh, by the authorities. It's quite evident that the, that the Israeli state is really trying to make it almost impossible for Palestinian citizens to speak up in any shape or form. The wave of repression that we're seeing is quite alarming, and it's very clearly almost targeted and designed to intimidate Palestinian citizens from partaking in any kind of political activism or any attempt to even create something different. Or even the idea that they might even promote something as basically like, you know, what does it mean to pursue some kind of shared understanding and even the healing process and to recenter the occupation in any, any shape or form. I think all that is going to be more demonized than ever. And the fact that they're going after, you know, anyone from your regular citizens to political activists to political leaders is an indication that they're trying to really weaken the ability to do that and to send these ripple effects across the society not to speak up. But if they can't speak up out of fear of prosecution, what can they do? It's a question Amjad admits he doesn't have the answer to. It's hard to see right at the moment the community is going to be able to reorganize after this, what awaits them if this war ever ends. This in no way means that Palestinian citizens, like other Palestinians, like we're not just sitting back. We are trying to push back, that we are challenging this in any shape and form. Even at the time to use our citizenship in whatever means possible and appealing to the international community and you know, trying to look after each other in our towns and villages. But it's, uh, it's, a very, it's a very daunting task ahead of us. And in the end, you know, it's, we're not in isolation. In the end, what happens to Palestinian citizens is always intricately connected to what happens to the wider Palestinian people. The war on Gaza is evidence of that. Palestinian citizens still see themselves and their fate intricately tied to the Palestinian people at large, to those in Gaza, to those in the West Bank, to the refugees in exile. And so anything that we attempt to do is also hand-in-hand with our attempts to end the occupation and to bring 
the full rights and justice for Palestinians across the board. And for now, the most immediate, urgent desire is to create that ceasefire over Gaza. And that's The Take. This episode was produced by Khaled Sultan and Miranda Lynn, with David Enders, Amy Walters, Chloe Kaylee, Sonia Bagat, Ashish Malhotra, Zaina Bazar, Sariel Khalili, Faranisa Campana, and me, Malika Bilal. Our sound designer is Alex Roldan. Alexandra Locke is The Take's executive producer, and Ney Alvarez is Al Jazeera's head of audio. We'll be back.